Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hey everybody, we're in our last week of our series, Songs of Summer. And uh, we're going to wrap it up this weekend. And this series is based on a few songs that we have chosen, songs that we felt like were going to inspire us for the season that we're in, songs with a very strong faith message. And the most important thing to remember from this study um, is this powerful concept that faith has been given unto mankind by God in order for you and I to overcome the adversities of life. And that is so important, especially in the times that we're in right now. Challenging times, times of uncertainty, times of confusion. Uh, when we're in seasons like this, we need to hold on to the Word of God like never before. We need to develop our faith like never before. Faith gives us the fighting edge over everything that the enemy wants to throw at you. And we need to understand that this is a grace of God towards us. He's giving us what we need to operate in faith in, in, in our, our everyday lives. You and I, every day, need to be operating in the principles of faith. Well, well, what does that look like? What would that look like to spend every day operating in the principles of faith? Uh, it means maybe getting up every morning with an expectation for good. An expectation that's not based on our own willpower, or our own uh, ability to kind of like make the best out of things, but an expectation that God, when he made a promise to us, he's fully capable and very much willing to make sure that those promises come to pass in our life. I'm so glad that we've decided to wrap up the series with the song Promises. It's so appropriate. Uh, the song begins with th these words, faithful through the ages. Man, if that doesn't describe God, I don't know what does. And then it goes on, the lyrics go on, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant. And that word's gonna be very important today in this message uh, and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. You know, God first revealed himself as the God of covenant to Adam, to Noah, to Abraham, and then to every single person he's ever brought into relationship with himself. The covenant is the very basis of our relationship with God. The terms of the covenant reveal God's heart towards us. You gotta understand, when we're talking about the terms of the covenant, we're talking about the fact that the entire Bible, the entire written word of God is God's revelation of himself to us. And what we're going to find out as we get into this teaching is when a covenant is made, the terms of that covenant must be discussed and must be revealed. And it usually happens that the stronger party of the covenant reveals the terms of the covenant to the weaker one, to the more inferior one. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 uh, is a perfect example of God revealing his heart toward us. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God the faithful God who keeps covenant, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. It's one thing that's very unique about a covenant. It may be made through, through two individuals at a specific time, but it extends to generations in the future, to those that are willing to adhere to, to obey, to acknowledge that covenant. The definition of covenant is a sacred agreement between two parties with spiritual implications. In other words, a covenant is made and sworn, but it cannot be broken without curse coming upon the parties that broke it. 
In other words, when a covenant is made between individuals, that covenant is sworn to. It's not just signing a, a name on a piece of paper. That covenant is sworn to by two individuals. Those two individuals may be representing a family, a clan, a tribe, a nation. And so when that covenant is made, there are spiritual implications that affect, can affect generations in the future. Um, if one party or the other breaks that covenant, in other words, they fail to live up to the covenant or they purposefully and willingly break the terms of the covenant, in the spirit realm, there are ramifications. There, is, there are spiritual consequences. And in a very real way, you can understand salvation maybe a little bit better because to put it in the perspective of salvation, Jesus took upon himself all our sin and he took upon himself the curse that should have came upon us for breaking covenant with God. Maybe Galatians chapter 3 has a little bit deeper meaning now. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Jesus hung on that tree, hung on that cross. We say, well, the Romans did that. The Jews uh, murdered him. No, 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 no. Jesus died on that cross because someone had to take the curse upon themselves for the broken covenant between us and God. Maybe this will help you understand covenant a little bit better. I remember hearing about this story many years ago in Bible school. The story is told about David Livingston, who's a famous, very famous missionary from the mid-1800s, historically one of the great missionaries of modern times. He was determined to reach Africa with the gospel. On one of his efforts to go into the interior of Africa, he was advised that the only way would be to make covenant with one of the chiefs. And the deal was this, that the chief would get Livingston's goat. This is all he had. This was the one possession he had besides his own clothing was this goat. And this goat meant a lot to him because Livingston had very serious stomach problems. And he was told by doctors that the best thing that he could use for nourishment would be goat's milk. And so he had this goat with him and obviously the goat would get milked and that milk would be, would be Livingston's, that would be the thing that sustained him. Well, the deal was that he would have to give that goat to the chief. And obviously Livingston had a choice to make. He's not gonna be able to go forward if he doesn't make a deal with this, with this chief. If he's not in covenant with this chief, he is not gonna be successful. But if he goes for this deal, he may be giving up that which was sustaining him. And so Livingston, having taken advice from those around him, went ahead with the deal. He made the trade. And Livingston was shocked when all he got in return was an old staff, an old branch of wood wrapped with copper wire. But to his surprise, when David Livingston approached any of the surrounding tribes, when they saw him hold up that staff, the entire, the entire tribe would fall on their faces and worship him, understanding that he had become friend to the most powerful chief in all of that region. That's covenant. That's covenant. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says, a man who has friends must be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now the word friend in our culture, has some meaning, but it doesn't carry anywhere near the meaning of Middle Eastern, especially ancient Hebrew culture. Because the word friend in the Hebrew culture, in the Hebrew mindset, meant a blood covenant partner, one who you were in partnership with, in covenant with. 
Friend is covenant language. It means the most intimate, loyal, and strongest uh, interunion or agreement, partnership between two beings. So, so think about this now. When Jesus called Judas friend in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he came to betray him with a kiss, Jesus was acknowledging that Judas was breaking covenant and showing disloyalty, betrayal to his covenant partner. Now, when you understand covenant and the fact that we are a covenant with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, then you begin to grasp the authority that you and I are called to walk in and that we've been delegated. David Livingston could have never imagined what this old piece of wood wrapped in wire was going to accomplish for him. The level of authority that he would be able to walk in from that moment forward. Because when, they, when those tribes saw him, they didn't see him. They didn't see David Livingston. They saw a representative of the most powerful chief in their region. You and I need to understand that when you and I understand and grasp the reality of covenant, what it means to be in covenant in this intimate, loyal relationship with God Almighty through the Lord Jesus Christ, that when the enemy sees you, he doesn't see you. He sees who you represent. And that's why it's so unfortunate and so sad and such a shame when a Christian does not understand who they are in Christ and does not, does, hasn't grasped the reality that if God is for you, who can be against you is covenant language. That when your enemies come against you, it is God Almighty who will rise up to defend you, to provide for you, to protect you. In the covenant, both parties must bring something to the table, some type of a gift. And that's the difference between the covenant cut between humans and the covenant that you and I have entered into with God Almighty through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, biblical covenant is one-sided. God does all the giving. We do all the receiving. We see that in God's covenant with Adam. He supplied all that was needed for the weaker party. Adam is the weaker party. But watch this now. Before Adam's even created, God Almighty supplies everything that Adam is going to need. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why? For who? For his covenant partner that he would create. See, in this covenant, the, the, the superior member of this partnership is obligated to supply the needs of the inferior, the weaker one. The stronger member of this partnership is obligated by the covenant to provide protection and defense for the weaker member of that relationship. So we see even in verse 29, and God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. In other words, God said, look, here's the deal. I'm going to create everything for you. I'm going to create not only the universe, I'm going to create this planet. On that planet, I'm going to create a garden. Everything is going to be perfect. I'm going to supply everything you need. So you never have to be concerned for the rest of your life. Then God gives instructions because the terms of the covenant must be revealed. This, these are the terms. This is the agreement here. Genesis 2.15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. One of the terms one of our, in our relationship. You and I are supposed to, we're supposed to tend to this relationship. We're supposed to guard our hearts. We're supposed to feed our spirit. We're supposed to know what the Word of God says. We're supposed to have an intimate relationship with the Father. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So the terms of this covenant between God Almighty, the creator of the universe, and this first man is this. I've created this perfect environment. I expect you to take care of it. I expect you to protect it, to defend it. And by the way, I'm giving you everything else. Just do not eat from those trees. Those were the terms of the covenant. And what did the enemy provoke? The enemy provoked them to go after the one term of the covenant that Adam was told, Adam and Eve were both instructed not to eat from. And that's exactly what the enemy went after. In that covenant, God provided for redemption. When they sinned, when they fell, it was no surprise to God. He had a plan. He covered their nakedness with the skins of sacrificed animals. And so the covenant from that point forward would now include this new facet of instruction and agreement of how they were to uh, relate to each other. From that point forward, mankind could never come before God again without some type of blood, without some type of sacrifice. Something had to pay for our sins in order for us to come to that place of relationship with God. And thus the establishment of the covenant of provision, of redemption, of atonement. And in that atonement and in that redemption, God promises to provide for us salvation. God promises to provide for us health and healing. God promises to provide for us even the natural things that we need. These are all terms of the covenant. And therefore, God established himself with that covenant and revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, God, the Lord God who provides. We see the same thing happening in the covenant with Abraham, which is a covenant that most of us are familiar with. Uh, but all throughout the word of God, God is make, was making covenants with different individuals, agreements by which the person would relate to God Almighty. So the covenant with Abraham, we see in Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you, here it comes again, God does all the, all the giving, we do all the taking. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. There's the protection, provision. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you. We see direction. We see provision. We see protection. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now. And look from the place you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Again, that covenant extends through every generation that's willing to acknowledge that covenant that was made with God. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. You, 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 hear, what, you hear this language, I will, I will, I will, I will. God is always willing to do all this for us if we will just abide in that covenant relationship with him. I will make the, your descendants as the dust of the earth. So if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Fantastic promises. Spectacular expectation for the future. And then he gives him direction. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Abraham learned that the faithfulness, faithfulness is the greatest identifying mark of our God.
The song goes on to say, I'll remain, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn. When you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, I will praise your name. We enter into covenant with God by bringing our faith to the table. It's all we have to offer. Uh, nothing else pleases God. You remember Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. We've, we've got to please God. It's, our, it's, it's, it's not an obligation. It's a privilege and it's an honor because in this covenant, God has done so much for us. The least we can do is to live our lives in such a way that reflect an attitude of trust towards him. And we're not going to spend our days worrying about what's going on in this world. We're not going to spend our days being concerned and anxious over every little thing that we think is not going right. Now, when we walk in faith and we walk in expectation towards God, that blesses him and that honors him. So just as that chief wanted that thing that was the most precious to Livingston, God wants that which is most precious to us, our faith, our trust. Understand this, in every ancient covenant, blood must be shed. There has to be a shedding of blood, which goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. When God, it says in the scriptures, God took skins and covered their nakedness. Those skins obviously came from animals that were sacrificed. Blood was shed in order for the sin of Adam and Eve to be temporarily covered until this Messiah would come, until this promised one. I want to take you to Genesis chapter 15. I'm going, to be, I'm going to need to read a good amount of scripture here. And I hope that you'll stick with me because this is the greatest representation of that which took place between God Almighty, creator of the universe, and Abraham, the father of faith. I want you to listen closely. I want you to follow. This is one of the portions of scripture that is so full of rich, detailed symbolism. You're going to see Jesus in this. You're going to see man's part in this. You're going to see Almighty God and how committed he is to each and every one of us. Genesis 15, verse 3. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Up until this point, Abram does not have a son that's going to inherit all that God has blessed him with. And behold, verse 4, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Verse 6, and he believed in the Lord. Abram believed what God said. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. Abram steps into the position of righteousness with God, of right standing with God, by believing what God has said he would provide in the future. You and I receive salvation the same exact way. We place our trust in that which God has already done. And that's the basis of our relationship with him. Verse 7, then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he, Abram, said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? What he was really saying was, I believe everything that you've told me. But I wish I had some type of a 
guarantee, some type of something that I could literally see that would remind me of the promises that you made and how committed you are to me. God was not offended by that. Because you see, what you and I might understand, what we might not understand in that phraseology is Abram was saying to God, would you make covenant with me now based on these new set of terms that you're going to give me a son? Verse nine. So he, God said to him, Abram, Bring me a three-year-old heifer. Heifer is a, is a cow that has not yet brought forth any calves. A three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So we've got a cow. We've got a goat. We've got a male uh, sheep, a ram. Uh, sizable animals. And then we have a turtle dove and a young pigeon. We've got large animals all the way down to very small birds. Then he brought all these to him, to God, and cut them in two. So we have animal sacrifice here. Now, we've got a lot of blood here. You've got a cow that's been now sacrificed and cut in half, a goat, a ram, and, and two smaller birds. We've got an immense amount of blood being shed here. And those, two, those animals are cut in half. Then he brought them and cut them in two down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other. So we've got half of the animal on this side, half of the animal on that side. But he did not cut the birds in two. He left those whole. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. You got to drive away the things that are going to try to interrupt your relationship with God. You're going to have to drive away the enemy sometimes. It's going to try to come and spoil that relationship that you have with the Lord. Verse 12, that gets really interesting. Follow this. Animals split in two. Immense amount of blood all over the place. Obviously, some time has gone by because Abram's had to drive away vultures that are trying to come to take advantage of these animals being cut and sacrificed. Verse 12. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Okay, it seems to indicate he might have fallen asleep naturally, but now he is seeing something very unusual. He is seeing a vision of something that's taking place in the spirit realm. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years. God is prophesying to Abram what's going to happen to Abram's descendants and we know for a fact, because in the rest of the book of Genesis, it tells us the story of Joseph, the story of Jacob, the story of how the Israelites ended up in Egypt, how they were mistreated for over 400 years, and how eventually a, a deliverer, Moses, would come and rescue them and bring them back to this land. And also the nation, verse 14, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. We see that when God judged Egypt's gods through all the plagues. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. We saw that come to pass. The Israelites were instructed to go and take all of the good possessions and rich possessions of their neighbors before they left Egypt to go into the Red Sea and eventually to the Promised Land. 
they were given permission to plunder the Egyptians. Why? Because the Egyptians owed them 400 years of back pay for being slaves, for being beaten by the taskmasters, for building their monuments. God never lets us go out without the reward that we deserve. Verse 15, now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Here's, here's something that details the mercy of God. God was giving the Amorites who lived in the land that the Israelites would eventually possess. He was going to give them 400 years to repent before the Israelites would come and dispossess them out of their land. That's the mercy of God. Verse 17. Now I need you to really pay attention here. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch. We've got, we've got a smoking oven and a burning torch. Then these two figures passed between the animals that were sacrificed. And tr tradition tells us that they would make a figure eight and walk through these animals, the pieces of these animals. And when people were making a covenant, they would say, what's happened to these animals and how they've been slaughtered should happen to me if I break covenant that we're about to agree to this day. Verse 18. So we've got this smoking oven and this burning torch, two different entities that are walking through the pieces, making covenant together. And in verse, the verse 18 tells us in the same day that the Lord God made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your descendants I had given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of Euphrates. And then it goes on to detail in verse 19, the lands of all these other tribes that would be dispossessed because God had promised that land to the children of Abraham. Smoking oven, literally burning, a burning furnace passes through those parts of the animals that were sacrificed. Hebrews chapter 12, you say, what, is this, what does this mean, Pastor? What does it represent? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 says this. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Look at verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. You could say it this way. For our God is a burning furnace. That smoking oven, that burning furnace literally represented God Almighty coming on the scene. The flaming torch should be pretty obvious to us. The flaming torch, John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. <laughs> so we've got God Almighty represented by this burning furnace. We've got Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, represented by this flaming torch, one who brings light. And the two of them are walking through these pieces, making covenant on behalf of mankind. You say, well, Abraham's out of the picture. Yes, that's right. Uh, Abraham, who represents mankind, is not allowed to participate. He's off to the side. He, he's watching, but he's not allowed to participate because the truth is you and I are not in covenant directly with God. You and I are in covenant because we are in Christ. He represents Abraham. He represents all of us. The covenant is cut between God Almighty and Jesus Christ, his son. 
Our salvation cannot be earned. It cannot be worked for. It cannot be purchased. It can only be received by faith. And we, like Abram, are recipients. We watched. The disciples stood at the cross and they watched. They couldn't get involved. They watched this sacrifice take place, sealing the covenant between us and God. And we are the recipients of that covenant. We receive the benefits of the covenant because we are in Christ, in Christ. We have available to us all the blessings of God because Jesus is the sacrifice lamb of God. His blood sealed the covenant between us and God. Maybe Matthew 26 has a little bit deeper meaning now. Verse 26, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Verse 27, then he took a cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. Listen to this, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The song goes on to state that all the blessings of being in covenant with God belong to us through the storms. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, when the seasons change, you remain the same. God from age to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true. Your faithfulness, it never runs out. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He never let me down. You and I, having this revelation now of the covenant, of what the Bible really truly means to us and what the Bible really truly is wanting to express to us, the, the level of commitment of God Almighty, the level of commitment of the Lord Jesus Christ, sealing himself to this covenant, knowing fully and understanding completely that he was going to have to suffer the punishment of the one who broke covenant with God. That's you and me. Knowing fully that at some point he would have to go to the cross. He would have to become those animals that were split on the ground, whose blood just ran freely. He understood that, that was going to be his price to bring us in covenant with his father. I hope this has prompted you and inspired you to a different level of appreciation to who our God is, to a deeper level of gratitude for the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that you and I need to worship this faithful God. We need to give him our trust. We need to give him our faith. We need to thank him. We need to show affection and attention, adoration, and full respect and reverence and honor. He has brought us into covenant with himself he has sworn by himself that he would never break this covenant. And that's why he's faithful to you and he's faithful to me. That's why no matter once we're, we're in Christ, once we've received salvation, it's not a matter anymore of working for God to get his attention, of trying to be good and trying to be our best because we're afraid we're going to go to hell. He's not going to break his side of the covenant. And neither is Jesus Christ. So we're in him. And we're sealed in this sacred agreement. And that's why he can say, with no doubt whatsoever, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. I pray that it's been an eye opener. I pray that when you hear that song, Promises Again, from this point forward, 
It's going to speak loudly to you. Covenant, covenant. The fact that you and I are in a relationship with a covenant-keeping God who loves us, who has given everything for us, who did not spare his own son, but provided him as the stronger member of the covenant, providing whatever you and I were going to need so that we can come back in relationship with him. I pray that this blessed you, and I pray that you would share this with others, and I pray that you would continue to walk in the realization of who you're in covenant with. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.